excited to be in the house. Are you excited to be in the house this morning? I hope so. I hope you came with expectancy and just believing God to do great things in your life. Um, because I believe he meets that. Amen? He responds to our faith. And uh, um, our faith is really appropriating what he's already given through grace. Amen? And so why don't you turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Man, we have been so blessed. Last, how many were here last week? Pastor Judy brought the fire. It was so good. So good. And uh, a message on really dealing with the prison of root of bitterness. Bitter root prison. What did, we, what did you call it, Pastor Judy? It's bitter root prison. And getting free. And the week before, I spoke on lessons from the wilderness. And, you know, when we talk about the liberty, the freedom that we have in Christ, that it comes with responsibility. It comes with um, some things that we need to be careful for, to be watchful for, especially in this generation we're le- le- living in. How many know it's becoming more lawless? Right? It's getting more lawless. And so it's important that we are mindful of those things. And God wants to bring us through to complete freedom And this morning, I'm going to attempt to speak on the topic of true freedom because, and uh, there's no way I can cover this comprehensively in one message, unless you guys want to be here till three. Anybody say amen if you want to do that. Um, But uh, true freedom, and I believe it's really what the the Spirit of the Lord is doing in our congregation. And even as we begin this next week, this integrity class, uh, I believe the Lord just wants to bring us to new levels of freedom and liberty. How many believe that this morning? And the reality is, because Pastor John spoke on April 11th, he spoke on the topic of abundant life. And we all go, amen, yes, praise the Lord, thank you for abundant life. But many times we're not really actually living in that abundant life because we've, we're dealing with areas that we need freedom in in our life. And so, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm going to be covering that passage this morning. And, um, you know, understand that the purpose of freedom that Christ brings us is not that we might be free to do whatever we please. Come on. But it's freedom to do as we ought to, not as we want to. It's freedom to bring us to a place of obedience. And so with that, we, we dive into Matthew chap- or John chapter 8. Sorry, I preached on Matthew chapter 8 last night, so if I get confused, blame it on that. But Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we just open our hearts this morning. We ask that you would speak. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in this place and that you're bringing liberty to us. Open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, would you work truth in the inward parts in us this morning? Lord, would you do a work of grace in each and every one of our lives this morning as your word, Lord, accomplishes what you desire and it succeeds in the matter for which you sent it this morning. Lord, we receive it. We believe it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. So it starts here, and this is where I kind of left off. If you were here last week, gave you a little bit of a preview of coming attractions. But so Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And I've just been, I've really been meditating on this passage and this, and the the following verses here over the last several weeks, just really saying, Lord, speak to us about true freedom. And it's important to look at the context and the background and what preceded this. In the previous verse, the Bible it says in verse 30 there that many had believed in him. Now, he was, he was speaking to a very hostile crowd of Jews and Pharisees. And the Bible says that he was in the treasury in the temple. And some in the crowd had sought to seize him, but it says that they could not because his time had not yet come. So there's Jesus teaching, and he's got a tough crowd. All right, I've I've preached to some tough crowds on, on, on here and there, and um, but nothing like this. A hostile crowd that's totally against you that 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 doesn't want to hear what you're saying. They were actually seeking to kill him. It says later on, he says, "You seek to kill me. You say you're sons of Abraham, but you seek to kill me. I don't get it." Um, but rough crowd, and he says this to them. He says, 
that I am the light of the world. And then he goes on to say, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So when it says they believed, they were believing that. They were believing that the Father sent him, that Jesus' message was from the Father. And he says, you will see me lifted up. And when you do, you will see that I didn't come on my own initiative. And when he said lifted up, he meant he would be lifted up on a cross and crucified and die for the sins of mankind. And he said, when you see that, you'll understand my mission and my message. And it says they believed on him. But how many know believing is just the beginning? Because he says, if you're going to be true disciples, you're going to continue in my word. Amen. Number one this morning, I want to speak to you about freedom revealed. You know, here's the issues that many of us think we know what it means to be free. And I, I, can, I can attest to this in my own personal life. I remember 24 years ago, a little more, more than 24 years ago, a while back, on this altar one time when the, when the Lord really touched my life and I had been in a place of rebellion and, and resisting the call of God. And when he did, and I remember just the power of God touching my life in such a mighty way, and there I was on the floor, not by choice. Um, sometimes God's power is like electricity, I'm just telling you. I did not come in there with any plans to be on the floor. I came on there to, in there to make my mom happy, uh, to come to church. It had been a while. But there I was, and the power of God and, and God's love just touching me. And I got a foretaste of some freedom. And years before, I thought I knew what freedom was. Freedom was just do what I get to want to do. And how many know, come on, there's some teenagers in the house. You're like, I want to get out from under your rules. I want more freedom. I want more freedom. And you think that means I can just do whatever I want. And that's what I thought too. And I saw in my house, we, had, we backed up to the church park, the Catholic church parking lot. And there was a fence. And uh, I'm just telling it myself this morning. I'm not giving any examples that you should follow. But that fence, on, that, on the other side of that, I'd have friends come pick me up in the middle of the night, and I'd go out and then try to sneak back in. And uh, it took discerning pastors to tell my parents, oh, your kid's up to stuff. But I saw that fence, and the other side of it as being freedom. As soon as I got over that fence and thought I got away, I thought I was free. But little did I know I was planting seeds of bondage in my life. Little did I know that the enemy's plan was at work in my life. Little did I know that I was giving him place. And little did I know that I would eventually uh, be under his power. And under the power of sin myself. And so, I thought I knew what freedom was. And and the audience he's, he's speaking to seems to think they know what freedom is. And many Christians are in the same place but lacking truly understanding what true freedom is. And, and so I asked the question this morning, what kind of freedom is Christ trying to bring in our life? And I remember an old song we used to sing, this is what it means to be free. And in this song is, is, is the, just talking about how I'm set free from sin, how I'm set free from bondage, how I'm set free from all these things and, and truly understanding when you're free. Because when you're really free, you know it. You're free from what people think. You're free from the enemy's bondage. You're free from the oppression of the enemy. That's what God wants in our lives. So first and foremost, this kind of freedom is a freedom from sin. And I want to talk about what he frees us from. Because sin kills. If you don't get anything else this morning, get it this way. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Now it's not just a physical death that we end up in eternity in hell. It's a, it's a spiritual death. It, it destroys you spiritually. Are you with me this morning? Sin is like leaven. It like comes in and it destroys our lives. And it says in Hebrews 2, 14 through 15, it says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. How many are thankful for that this morning? That is the devil and might free, somebody say free, free, those who through fear of death were subject to a slavery all their lives. I love Pastor John's testimony. 
He had, he went, he's been through a couple of heart attacks. Is it how many? Four. Goodness gracious. Too many. Four too many. But when he, said, when he went through one, he came up here and he said, you know what? I realized in that moment, I was not afraid of death. Come on. I wasn't afraid. To die. I, you know, Lord, if you want to take me, I'll go. There was no fear in me of death because I knew my place. I knew my, I was right with the Lord. And when you have peace with God, then the death has no power over you anymore. And when the penalty of sin, that's why it says in 1 Corinthians 15, oh, death, where is your sting? Come on. Because Jesus took that penalty away. But sin kills. It destroys us. And that may seem obvious to us, but sometimes we forget. And I just want to say this this morning. Having a right perspective on sin and God's perspective on it, right? Only then can you really appreciate grace. I'm going to say that again. Only until we have a right perspective on sin can we really appreciate grace. Yet in the church today, we're starting with grace and we haven't even helped people understand the depravity of their condition. Because when you understand the depth of the depravity of your soul and, and, and your sinfulness in front of a holy, righteous God, then you understand the greatness of His grace. That He would even invite me into His presence. That Jesus would pay such a price for me. It kills. And when you have right perspective on sin, then there is no little sin. You hate all of it. Sin deceives. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says, Take care, brethren, that there be there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage. Somebody say encourage. We need some people encouraged this morning. One another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I want you to see that, the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, man, it lures us, doesn't it? Lust of the flesh, the lust of the, of the eyes, the pride of life. This word deceitfulness is, is, is apate, and it means to cheat, deceive, beguile. That's what, that which gives false impression, whether by appearance, statement, or influence. I was watching this very cool um, series they have called The Earth at Night. And they've come up with these just amazing new cameras that can film at night and it looks like day. It's incredible. And so they, they've been following all sorts of wildlife around during the night and they're discovering things they didn't know because now they can see. But one of the things you can see at night in Australia, in the southeastern part of Australia, different parts, is there's the Australian glowworm. And this is a fascinating tiny creature slash insect that puts off a stunning blue-green larva. I thought that was cool. It's my favorite colors, by the way. Light show at night that is used as bait to attract prey such as mosquitoes and midges into their mucus-coated webs. Oh, it's just so attractive. The light, the bugs are like, ooh, light. Wait. Stuck here. And they're just drawn in and stuck. And then they, they, little do they know that thing that was so beautiful and attractive is now their means of destruction. And it's a picture of sin's deceitful enticement and temptation alluring us, drawing us in. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life with its promises of some sort of fulfillment. How many know? Sin has a pleasure for a season. But then the spiritual digestive system kicks in, if you know what I mean. And you begin to feel the effects, the emptiness, the drain, how it is destroying you. It's like a cancer to the soul. Only lead to ultimately to our destruction. The lies, so we must deal with the lies that lead to our sin. And the first lie, and this was one I felt growing up. I... You can also call it FOMO, fear of missing out. Wasn't that Satan's lie in the garden? He says, what is God holding back? 
He doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to know good and evil. Did God really say is the question, the deceit. Begin to question God's word. Is it really true? Or, man, maybe there is something better out there. I want to say over this last year, everything we've been through in pandemic and epidemic and just the chaos in our society and the upheaval, many Christians have been deal revealed. Hearts revealed. Hearts revealed. I've seen a number of key leaders who have absolutely not just stepped away from ministry, but, but entirely leave the faith. Being drawn into the deceitfulness of this world. And the Bible warned us, it, said, it, said, it says that even, even the elect will be deceived. Even the elect will be deceived. So if you think this morning that you got a corner on this, come on. I want to encourage you to be watchful and don't let pride blind you to the reality of the deceitfulness of sin. The enemy has a way to beguile, to break down your inhibitions, to break down those things that keep you from sinning. Little by little, he deceives. And so he says, I'm missing out. And I remember thinking that as a kid. The grass must be greener over on the other side of the fence. But then I spent a lot of the time on the fence. That is not a comfortable place to live, church. Don't live on the fence. It's awful. You're neither hot nor cold. You have enough of sin that you can't enjoy God. You have enough of God that you can't enjoy sin. It's just an awful place. Don't be there. The other deceit is I'm in control. I can stop this sin anytime I want. My power, my willpower is sufficient. I'm strong. This is no thing. And that's the enemy's trap. You think, you think you're calling the shots and then you wake up one day and you're no longer calling the shots. You realize you can't stop. This is a place of bondage. This is a place that is weighing you down. This is a place that now is a master over you. The other one is, I need this. See, the enemy convinces that we need sin, that it will satisfy us or bring some sort of relief to our situation. Sometimes when we've gone through disappointment in life, we've gone through struggles and so forth, there's the flesh crying out, just give me this, and this will make me feel better. How about this one? I deserve this. I deserve this moment. You know, I've been working hard, and I've been serving God, and I've been doing all this stuff, and this didn't work out the way I thought it was, and so I just need a moment. Anyone had a moment? How many, how many moments can change a whole lifetime? Let's talk about a moment that changed a lifetime. How about Esau? Just that bowl of porridge. One moment, and he gives up his birthright. He despised his birthright. And the Bible says in Hebrews that he sought repentance but couldn't find it. That one moment of I deserve this cost him dearly. Sin kills, sin deceives, sin blinds. Look at verse 33, chapter 8 says, They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. <laughs> I know, this is comedy hour. How is it that you say you will become free? I spoke on this a little bit last week. But, but let's look at this. I, I, I honestly had to ask the Lord, who, is, who are they? Because notice that he says in verse 32, if you're following along, or 31, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him. And I've looked at the scholars, and maybe somebody knows, and uh, maybe, I don't know. Is it the Pharisees? Is it the ones who believed him? Either way, they didn't have it right. We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say this? 
And we think about that for a moment. What about their captivity in Egypt? There was that. Where they had multiplied and eventually come under the bondage of their Egyptian taskmasters who afflicted them with hard labor and enslaved them. There was that. Then there was that, you know, little 70 years of bondage in Babylonian exile, the Chaldeans and the Assyrians. Did they forget about the cries of the psalmist who wept by the river of Babylon? Did they forget their divine eviction from the Israel and Judah for their idolatry and immorality? There was that. Could they see, could they not see the Roman standard floating over the ancient palace of their kings? What about the sounds of the bugle calls regulating the movements of the victorious Roman soldiery running into those? How about running into those Roman soldiers around every corner? No, truly, they had been in bondage over and over and over again. But there was a pride, there was a nationalistic pride that said, we're sons of Abraham and we can't be in bondage. So Jesus confronts this pride. They were literally immersed in captivity. Their history was wrought with it, yet they honestly believed they were fine. As a minister I love to hear says, how dumb can you be and still breathe? We can literally be blind or live in denial of the reality of our circumstances that we are really in bondage. Talking to somebody who's dealing with issues with, with greed and they're living in massive mounds of debt and they're like, I'm good. Really? Look, we have debt. We deal with debt. There's, there's good debt and there's bad debt. We all know that. But... When the root of it is the love of money, there's a sin at the root that's caused it. There's a mindset that's caused it. And yet there's bondage. And so we can, we can literally be in a place of bondage and not see it. We can be completely blind to it. And many times we are. And then the Lord comes along and lifts the blinders and goes, look. This thing that you believe, this area of your life has been in, not, not in reality with truth. And he's, it, like he said on the Sermon on Mount, he says, you've heard it said, but I say to you. There's that moment when he comes into your life and says, you've heard it said, you've learned this from man, but I say to you. And he brings the truth of his word that sets us free. Sin enslaves. Jesus answered them and said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. John 8, 34 through 35. You know, when we look at what it says here and commit sin, this is speaking of. Now, you're saying, well, pastor, the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But let me explain something to you. There's, there's sin that you do not intentionally. There's sins that we do out of lack of knowledge or understanding. But how many know when your life was transformed by the power of God, when he put a new nature in you, come on, born from above, I have new desires. I, want to, I desire what he wants. I no longer desire sin, but I, know I desire righteousness. And so my aim of my life has changed. I'm living to please him. I'm not, I'm trying to get away from sin, but occasionally I sin not on purpose. That's different. This is talking about the sin goes, I see that line. I see that thing that's wrong, and yet I'm going to do it. And I'm crossing. I know it. There's the sin of commission. There's the sin of omission. Or God says in the sin of omission, it says, you know to do right, but you don't do it. That's also sin. And he calls it that. So if we, you know what it means to confess? When 1 John 1, 9, isn't this so great? He says, it, he is faithful. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that word confess is homologeo. It means to say what he says about it. To see it as he sees it. Not my opinion. Oh, this little thing, God, I'm sorry about that. He goes, no, that's not a little thing. You see, that hurt my heart. 
And because of that little thing, you hurt these people and this, this, and this. He sees, he, let, me, let me show you how I see it. I don't want to minimize that thing. I want to see it as God sees it. Are you with me this morning? Still awake? Praise God. All right. Romans 6. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. How many are thankful for that this morning? But I want to say something about grace. Grace empowers you to live godly. What then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. You know when it says may it never be, it's literally like, heck no. I mean, he's got some emphasis here. May it never be. Somebody's going to get offended, but H-E double hockey sticks, no. Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? Come on, how many are thankful for the buts in Scripture? It says 17, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. Obedience, the purpose and the destiny. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Oh man, a bond servant of God. There are sins we commit unintentionally. There are sins that we do Intentionally, but you know what the attitude of a of transformed heart is to run from sin We used to run to sin, but now I'm running from sin. I don't want to know where that line is I want to get as far away from it as I can come on somebody Get me away from that line you're going well, how far is too far? That's the wrong question Man, I've been born with a new nature. I don't even want to be close to too far. I want to be close to perfect. He said, be perfect as I am perfect. Come on. I want to be like him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. But just as he is righteous, the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Oh, I thought you'd get excited about that. To destroy the works of the devil. I'm excited about that. Praise God. And now I want to go destroy his works. Come on. Works literally refers to employment. Satan has made a career of lying to us, enticing us into compromise and sin, and ultimately enslaving us and slowly destroying our lives. Jesus' desire is to put the devil out of slave-making business. Come on. Uh, come on. Say it again. Put him out of slave-making business. Let's, let's put him on the unemployment line. With no benefits. Are you with me? Right. No COVID relief, nothing. All right? But he's trying, we want to practice righteousness. You get what practice is? I mean, that, that means an intentional effort. I know we're not saved by works, but I love him. And I want to be like him. And I want to live my life to please him. I'm not saved by good works, but I'm saved into good works. Come on. So I'm living to please him. That's my attitude and my aim. And I'm going to make a practice of it. People who practice get better at things. You're going to learn an instrument. You're going to practice. You're going to practice over and over and over and over until you get those chord changes smooth. But we want to practice righteousness. So he says, freedom from sin. This is what this kind of freedom is. Freedom from our enemies. Look at Luke chapter 1, 73 through 75 says, this is... Mary and her song of praise. And she says this, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, who to grant us that being delivered from the hand of our enemies, 
might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. All the days of our life. Praise God. He's freed us from our enemies. The devil and his minions who sought to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. The the sin I have allowed in my life that made me a slave to him so I was not free to serve God as I should. The purpose of this freedom is so that we can serve him in holiness and righteousness. In Colossians 1.13, I'm moving along, I'm hurrying, I promise church. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Woo! I think that's something, that's something for a praise break. Um, he rescued us. He's delivered us. He set us free from the enemy. The Bible says that on the cross, he made a public spectacle of those principalities and powers. Nailing them. So we're free from our enemies. God delivers us. We're freedom from condemnation and guilt. Look at Romans 8, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And what it says is what the law could not do. Weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Amen? Just like we read earlier, he 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 partook of of, of flesh and became a brother. He became like us so that we could become like him. Did you get that? Praise God. And then Colossians 2.14 says, He has canceled the handwriting of debt that was against us. Because each and every one of us have broken the law. And if you break any one of the laws, you've broken all of them, James says. How many are thankful this morning that he's rescued us from condemnation and guilt and the shame? The Bible says that he despised the shame. He went to the cross for the joy set before him, despising the shame. Some of you might be dealing with shame from your past, shame from mistakes, shame from your issues in life. And you look back and say, I wish that I could have done. I should have, would have, could have. But God wants to take your shame. He bore our grease. He bore our shame. He bore our shame on that cross. So that we could be free. I hope you're getting this this morning. What does it mean? This is, this is freedom revealed. These guys were saying, what do you mean? I've not been in bondage. And he says, no, I'm going to talk to you. I'm not talking about natural things. I'm talking about spiritual things. There's a spiritual bondage that you're in that I'm going to set free. Those who follow me, who continue in my word, and they know the truth, they'll be made free, he says. Because truth is the antidote to the lies that got us into bondage in the first place. Number two is freedom known. He says, you will know the truth. And I love this word here in the Greek. It's gnosko. And this is a really interesting word because it says to learn, to know. You know, freedom is learned. You got to learn how to be free. You got to learn how to live in liberty. You got to learn how what Christ means to live free. And that gnosko is coming to know. It's getting to a knowledge of, or perception or feeling of this thing. And it's also a word that talks about intimacy. It's an intimate knowledge. And that intimate knowledge comes from firsthand experience. And you know that when God's brought that revelation of freedom in some area of your life. Where you were stuck and you couldn't even see that you were stuck. And then Jesus brings his word and he speaks his word into our life. And the Bible says that the entrance of his word, it brings light. And so that light shined into that dark place. And all of a sudden you saw it as he saw it. And then also in seeing it, he brought the freedom with it. I call it the 18-inch drop. Maybe for some of you it's 12. I don't know. Here, whoever that is. But it goes from head to heart. We know it here, but until we know it here, it's when it becomes a revelation that changes, transforms our lives. 
And you know, this is why we meditate on the word. We've got to move it from this chamber to this chamber. Where it becomes part of us. The incorruptible seed that gets to be part of us and becomes, and then the Bible says that the word becomes flesh. What does that mean? It becomes an actual thing that other people see the transformation and impact in your life because of the power of God's word to transform. Amen? But he says, if you continue, now here it is, and this word continue is so important because we've, we've preached a gospel. I'm going to say this gently this morning. In Western culture of what I call believism, if you just believe and then just, you're good. But I want you to see what he says here. If you continue in my word. If you continue. There's words in the New Testament, endure, continue, persistence, perseverance. And I'm telling you, the times we live in, that gets tougher and tougher. But know that there's God's grace to help us continue in his word. But it's an abiding. It's a place of living in his word. Feeding on his word. Even in Psalm 37, he says, just dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his goodness. Feed on his word. The Bible says the man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's where my life comes from. Let me continue in that word. But he tells these believers in the infancy of their faith, this is, these are the conditions of discipleship. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Press on. Press on, press on to the end. Stay in his word. John 15, 6 through 7 says this. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Please, Lord, don't let me be that kind of branch. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, becoming free is a process. It's, a, it's the process of allowing truth of God's word to be known in the inward parts. And in Psalm 51, we see David's psalm in his time of repentance after his sin with Bathsheba and killing off Uriah and all, all that he did, the evil he did, dealing with the Lord about the reality of this, having Nathan coming in, coming in the prophet Nathan, and calling him out. But he says in verse 6 of this passage, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. How we know God does not look as man looks on the outward, but he looks at the heart. And when Jesus says, hey, you thought adultery was this, but I'll tell you what adultery is. It's when a man looks on a woman and lusts after her. Oh, you just raised the bar, Jesus. It's in the heart. In the inward parts. God wants truth. And in the hidden part, This is the beauty of it. This is the knowing. This is the coming into a place of freedom. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. I love that. Here's the revelations. Just some examples. I can't go through them. There's so many. What he has done for me. When he says it is finished. That I don't have to live under the power of sin anymore. Come on, somebody. And when I realize the truth and I become into an intimate knowledge of this truth, I can now walk in that. I can now begin to act in that freedom. I can begin to purposely live in that freedom. And notice what he said in verse 35 of of John chapter 8. He says the, the, the slave can't stay in the house. Remember Abraham's story? He had Hagar. Remember, he tried to make it happen on his own. That didn't work out so great. He said, the bondwoman can't live with the free woman. She was cast out. Now, God took care of Hagar because he's a gracious, loving God. Come on. But nevertheless, couldn't stay in the house. The son lives in the house forever. The revelation of being a son and daughter of God brings a freedom, a liberty And we live in that freedom and we have confidence before our Father. 
Can I tell you what another thing that sin robs you of? It robs you of confidence. Because in 1 John it says, if our heart condemns us, guess what? God doesn't condemn you. Conviction's very different than condemnation. Conviction is convincing us of, a wrong, of, of that thing's wrong. But God's doing it with the purpose of bringing us into a place of truth and liberty. Condemnation just says you messed up and there's no hope for you. You can't get out of this. You, you're, you're done. It's the voice of the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren before God. And he accuses us and we accuse ourselves but our own heart. Because sin infects your heart. Sin affects your faith. Sin affects your faith because when you're in a place of sin, how many know you're not really going boldly before the throne? You still can because your condition doesn't change his promise, but your heart is still going, are you with me? But when we repent, oh, this is the beauty. He comes and he restores that confidence. And we can approach him with boldness. Amen? The knowing. Knowing our position. We are seated in heavenly place. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2 says that we are seated in heavenly places with him and that the devil is under our feet. Come on, somebody. And so we have victory. I don't have to live in a place of defeat, oppression, or, or, or depression, or all those D words. I can have victory because of Christ. In in, in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, it says, Thanks be to God who always leads us to victory through Christ. Amen? Living in that victory, that knowledge, that understanding. You know, years ago, and I've probably shared this testimony before. You guys hear repeat stories. That's okay. But I I was really meditating on God's desire to heal us. How many know God wants you well? He does. Sickness was not God's idea. He's named Jehovah Rapha for a reason. He's our healer. And so I began to meditate on all these scriptures about healing. And just really saying, Lord, give me a revelation. I really want to understand your heart in this area. And just studying those things. And I remember, I remember going, going running. I was doing this running routine with a neighbor. And I forgot my water bottle. And he, he had his, pre-COVID folks, so just bear with me. Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't have done this pre-COVID either. Um, he goes, you forgot your water bottle? And I was like, oh, shoot, I'm really, I'm really thirsty. And so he goes, here, you can have some of my water. And so I had some of his water, and I'm like, oh, you know. Um, got a little germ thing, uh, issues. And I had some of that water, and then I got back to the house, and he comes down an hour and a half later. He goes, oh, bro, I just need to warn you. I got a fever and all this stuff, and I, I know you drank the water. Thank you very little. And you know what just came out of my heart? I said this. I said, oh, the, the word says that I can drink any poisonous thing. It won't harm me. I'm like, I seriously didn't know where that came from, bro. And he's like, okay, all right, whatever. I'm going to go back to bed. And he was out for seven days and I didn't get it. I mean, praise God. <laughs> Not praise God for him being out. Oh, jeez, that didn't. I hope you understand that. No. We prayed for him with any hands. Dear Jesus. All right. And he says in verse 36, I want you to know this. Here's, here, we have power and authority through Christ. And when you get that revelation, that'll change how you deal with sin and the temptation. Man. Verse 36 of 8. Really, I'm almost done this time for real. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Free indeed. Number three is freedom lived. I want you to look at 1 Peter 2.16 before we come to the table of communion this morning. And it says, act as free men. And do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. 
all. Act as free men. You know, that's a testimony to be free. To not live in fear in a world that's bound in fear. To not be in lust in a world that's bound in lust and perversion and all sorts of gross stuff. To be clean and pure. I mean, you're going to stand out in this world. Act as free men and women of God. And I have, I can't, I've had so many encounters just going on business trips. Of course, those don't happen anymore. But, but, um, but it, you go out to dinner and everybody's drinking. You know, Lord delivered me from alcohol in college. And I was, man, I got in real bondage there. Thank God he set me free. I literally, uh, after being set free, a friend of mine said, hey, let's go have a beer. And I thought, oh, there's nothing wrong with this, so I'll go have a beer. And went to go drink that beer, and I got sick. And I looked at him and go, dude, I can't, fit. I can't even swallow this. That's how free God made me. And so the desire was gone. It just had nothing. So I went... I'd go out to dinner, and of course, I'm, I'm drinking water or something, some other beverage, and everybody at the table is having alcohol, and they're just like, well, why don't you drink? Oh, okay. I got a story. Thank you. You really want to know? <laughs> right? And so, and they're saying, well, I have to have a drink. I had a long day. I have, I'm going to go get a drink, too, of Jesus. He's my source. He's my cistern. He's the river. I'm getting some water out of that river that, of living water. Wait, you don't need this? No. I'm free. You, need, you know, you don't need a moment of the flesh and go to those places with scantily clad women. No, I'm free. And I don't want to go to that place. You mean you don't need to click on that thing that you shouldn't be clicking on late at night? No, I'm free. You mean you don't need to be looking at that Facebook page of an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend? No, I'm free. You mean you don't need to show up at that casino and lose some more money no I'm free you see don't believe the lie the enemy that tries to draw us into those places of bondage I believe God wants his people to be truly free and to enter into the fullness of what he has for us and if you're here this morning and maybe you're dealing with some area of bondage, or you're dealing with some area of addiction, or you're dealing with some area of repetitive sin cycle in your life, you know what that is like. It's like you, you try to get better and it just keeps coming. You keep going around this circle and maybe for a little while you're able to resist in the flesh, but then that thing just gets a hold of you and it's because it's an area of bondage. And this, and this, this sin cycle... The answer is in verse 36. So if the Son makes you free. Because no 12-step program is going to make you free. No, no system devised by man can make you free. Only the Son can make you free. And free indeed. True freedom. You don't have to be bound. Be free. Amen. Let's just pray this morning. Would you stand to your feet for a moment before we come to the table of communion? Lord, we thank you this morning that you are the Lord who sets us free. When you stood up in Luke chapter 4, and you read from Isaiah, you said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
preach freedom to the captive, to set the prisoner at liberty, those who are oppressed at liberty. It was for freedom that you set us free. Spirit of the living God, we thank you this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that your presence is here and there's liberty. That strongholds can be broken. Places of bondage can be broken. Places of fear and anxiety and lies we've believed, Lord. This morning we acknowledge that we're still becoming free. That you're making us free. We haven't yet arrived, Lord, that there's things you're still peeling back in our lives, Lord. But we desire this morning your true freedom and your true liberty. So, Lord, I just pray over each and every person. Let's just lift our hands for just a moment. I just pray over each person in this place right now. Spirit of God, just set captives free in Jesus' name. We pull down every stronghold, every lie, everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Every speculation that is not from you, God, in Jesus' name. Those lies that have been spoken to us or we've learned somehow or some way, God, I thank you for the spirit of truth coming and revealing and transforming and setting us free. Thank you for the eyes of our hearts being open this morning. That we would no longer be in a place of blindness, Lord. Saying, we've never been in bondage. God, we've all been in bondage. We've all been in bondage. Some way or somehow. Thank you, Lord, that you break every chain. You break every chain. Come on, church. Chains be broken in the name of Jesus. Prisoners be set free in Jesus' name. If you're watching online right now, Be set free in the name of Jesus. Whatever you're dealing with, maybe you're facing a situation of addiction, alcoholism, drugs, pornography. God can set you free. He's the liberator. He's the liberator. Put your trust and your faith in Him. Say, Lord, set me free right now, and He will set you free in Jesus.